Good evening, my friends, and welcome to a brand new episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated in bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd. And I want to thank you all for the birthday wishes last week. And from the feedback I have received, many of you enjoyed the, um, I called it a, my birthday celebration episode. But it was basically just a personal playlist of some of my favorite shows. So I'm glad you all enjoyed it. Tonight's episode (laughs) is entitled, My Spouse has issues (laughs) and I'm just going to leave it at that so without further ado this is Terra Radio the two radio series highlighted tonight are the very popular Suspense followed by The Clock the first radio play is entitled The Night Reveals And it was first broadcasted on Suspense, December 9th, 1943. After that is the radio play, Hollywood Heartache. And this was first broadcasted on the clock on April 20th, 1947. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to The Night Reveals. Followed by Hollywood Heartache. Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud, your health, senor. The world toasts Roma, and Roma toasts the world. The wine for your table is Roma, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the man in black here for Roma Wines to introduce this weekly half hour of Suspense. Tonight in Hollywood, our stars are Mr. Robert Young and Margot. The suspense play which stars Robert Young and Margot, and which is produced and directed by William Spear, is a tale of ordeal by fire by Cornell Woolrich. And so, with the night reveals and with the performances of Robert Young and Margot, Roma again hopes to keep you in suspense. Tell us the story, Mr. Jordan. Might help to get it out of your system. Yes. Go ahead, Harry. What? Tell it here, Marie, in front of you? Sure, I can stand it if you can. Well, all right. I'll tell it from when I first began to know, for sure, two weeks ago. I should have known before that something was wrong. I should have known by her eyes. There was a queer look in them, staring at me one minute and avoiding me the next. Well, I came home late one Monday night. They were asleep, my son Johnny, and 
my wife here, Marie. I lay in bed reviewing my day's work. You see, I'm an investigator for the Herkimer Fire Insurance Company. While thinking about the fire on 2nd Avenue, I fell asleep. Suddenly, I was sitting bolt upright, wide awake, with a strange feeling of being alone in the room. I looked towards Marie's bed. It was too dark to see. I called, Marie. Marie! There was no answer. I got up and walked to her bed. The quilt was bunched up. I pulled the covers down. The bed was empty. In the bathroom. No, she wasn't there. And not in Johnny's room, either. Johnny was alone. Marie wasn't in the apartment. I put on the light and looked at my watch. It was two in the morning. Got dressed and walked out and, and rang for the elevator. It was nothing. Of course, it was nothing important, but... My heart kept hammering away. Morning, Mr. Jordan. Kind of late for the... Yes, good morning, Steve. Uh, did you see my wife go down? Yes, Mr. Jordan. About half an hour ago, I'd say. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, did you see which way she went? Yes, she went towards Third Avenue. Said she was going to... Went to the drugstore, I guess. Yes, that's right. There's one over on 96th Street. Open all night. Thanks. That was it. She went to the drugstore. I was worried over nothing at all. I didn't know what to do quite. I didn't want to follow her, but the elevator boy was watching me, so I strolled easily along towards Third Avenue. I stood on the deserted dark corner and looked up and down the street. Then I saw her coming. She was walking towards me briskly. Harry, what are you doing here? Well, I got up and saw you were gone. And I, I couldn't sleep. I, I had a dreadful headache, so I decided to go down for some aspirin. Yes. Yes, of course. The drugstore on 96th Street. But you were coming from 98th Street. I took a little walk. I thought some fresh air would do me some good. Yes. It is a nice night. I've only been gone about ten minutes. Steve says you were gone about a half hour. It was only ten minutes. What time is it now? 2.35. I've been out for almost 15 minutes. Oh, it's more than... It was 15 minutes, no more than that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Everything seemed all right. Still, I felt something was wrong. We got into our apartment and we both went to bed. For a minute or so, we said nothing. You've been working hard, Harry. Don't you think you ought to take a week off and sort of rest up? Oh, I feel perfectly all right, dear. There's nothing wrong with me. Listen. A fire. A fire. Yes, not far. Over east a couple of blocks. By the river, I'd say. That's my district. A fire. Oh, what the... Hello. Hello, Harry. I'm sorry to wake you in the middle of the night. There's a bad one over near you between second and third. Maybe a total loss. Between 2nd and 3rd, Mr. Parmenter? Uh, an apartment building? Yeah, 98th Street. 340 East 98. I called you because I'd like you to go there direct first thing in the morning instead of coming to the office, okay? I'll meet you there. Okay, Mr. Parmenter. Good night. A fire? On 98th Street? Yeah. I couldn't see Marie in the dark. I knew she was staring at me. I was very tired. Good night, Marie. Good night, Harry. This is a story of a husband and a wife. In a moment, as the story continues, we shall learn how they came to know that death was living with them. Mm-hmm. 
Tonight, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, brings you Robert Young and Margot as stars of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Somewhere tonight, perhaps in Havana, Cuba, a man and a girl sit at a table in a gay cafe. Music, laughter fill the big room. A tropic breeze stirs the palms in the terrace. As we watch, the young man pours wine into their glasses. They raise them in a toast to each other. Salud. Salud. Ah, an excellent wine, Verda. As pleasant to the taste as your beauty is to the eye. <laughs> Do you know where this fine wine comes from? It comes from our good neighbor to the north, Los Estados Unidos, from America. His name is Roma. Yes, from our own America, from our own sunny California, come Roma wines. Made in California for the enjoyment of the world. Doesn't that tell you all you need to know to make you want to choose Roma wines for your own use? Whether your particular preference is for a nut-brown sherry, a delicious red claret, or full-bodied burgundy, when you choose Roma, you know you are getting the world's best wine value. For Roma wines are America's largest selling wines. Only through such tremendous popularity can Roma afford to sell so reasonably wines into which have gone all the care and wine knowledge that produce wine masterpieces. There is a Roma wine for every taste. Simply choose the one you like best. Roma Wine, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Robert Young as Harry Jordan and Margot as Marie, his wife, in The Night Reveals, a story well calculated to keep you in suspense. Mr. Jordan? Well, gentlemen, the next morning I went over to 98th Street to inspect the remains of number 340 and to see if there was evidence of anything suspicious about the origin of the fire. Mr. Carmander was there. Well, there it is, gutted. I guess we'll be paying off on this one, all right. Yeah, completely burned out. Uh, anyone hurt? Well, a few, but no one dead. Lucky they just installed the new fire escapes. Just the walls left. Hmm. That fire must have been quite a sight in the height of its glory. Yeah, quite a sight. Man, those walls look pretty bad. They might collapse almost any time. Yeah, the building will have to be raised. That fire did a good job. Oh, here's the commissioner. Hello, Commodore. Gordon. How are you, Mr. Morrell? You know anything about the fire commissioner? No, not a thing. Well, we'll take a look. I wouldn't go in there, Jordan. Those walls are pretty oh, bad. I can take care of myself. Maybe you better not go inside. Harry. Don't worry about me. I know fires as well as anyone. You stay outside, Mr. Farmer. I'm going in. Walked gingerly into the blackened, ruined hallway, ashes up to my ankles, until I reached the remains of the stairway. Underneath were several baby carriages, just twisted pieces of metal. A burned fragment of something fell nearby. Come on back, John. I'm all right. I poked around the carriages, sifting through the clean, fine ashes. Something caught my eye. A glob of yellow metal. I picked it up, and I worked my way out. Going through, isn't she? Yep. Clean through. Nothing left of her. Did you find anything, Harry? Nothing much. The fire started in the hallway, all right. Cellar's untouched. Fire works its way up. Uh, what's that in your hand? Well, that is just a piece of metal I found. Here. I just picked it up for my kid. He likes shiny things. What do you think, Commissioner? Well, probably one of those gadgets they have on baby carriages. No, I guess you're right. It isn't anything. But it was something. I had run my fingernail across this glob of metal. It looked like gold. 
I decided to examine it in detail at home. Hiya, Johnny. Mama says I was bad today. Harry, you're home early. Yes, I got through sooner than I expected, and I... What is it, Harry? Your locket. You're not wearing it. You never had it off before. My locket? Well, I... Don't you remember? Daddy, can I go over to see Daly Taylor for a minute? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, Johnny. All right. Hey, thanks, Daddy. You shouldn't have done that. I didn't want him to go. He hasn't had his dinner. Never mind, Johnny. Uh... What did you say happened to the locket? Well, I gave it to you. To me? Yes, I I put it in your pocket to have it fixed. The catch was loose. I don't remember. You've been very forgetful lately. Very forgetful. Maybe you thought you gave it to me. No, no, I, I put it in your pocket, Harry. I forgot to mention it to you. I wanted you to take it to the jewelers and get the catch fixed. I just put it in your coat pocket while you were shaving. When? Yesterday. Yes. Yesterday morning. Then it should be in my pocket now. I wore this suit yesterday, too. Nothing in my pockets, Marie. Well? Marie. Yes, Harry? Is anything uh, wrong with you? Don't you feel... With me? No, no, of course not. I'm all right. I'm perfectly all right. There's not a thing wrong with me. You look worried, as if you've got something on your mind. Oh, it's nothing. I've just been having a headache. Maybe you ought to see a doctor. Oh, no, it really doesn't amount to much. Well, I think I'll take another look for the locket. Uh, Which suit did you say you put it in? Your blue suit, I think. Or maybe it was the gray, though. I I don't... I couldn't make it out. What had she done with the locket? Had she pawned it? Had she given it away? Then I remembered something. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I looked at this shapeless little glob of yellow metal. I rubbed the blackened spots away, all of it until it was gleaming. I studied it, turning it over and over. I noticed a thin crack. It was small, so I took a nail file out of the medicine chest and began to file it. I kept filing until I had enlarged the crack to the full length of a piece of gold. Then I slipped the nail file inside and pried, pried it open. Tiny fragments of glass, and then... Then I saw a piece of scorched paper. It was a photograph. Picture of my son, Johnny. This glob of metal was my wife's locket. I put the locket in the picture in my pocket and walked out. The next hour, I sat trying to read a book while Marie busied herself, first feeding Johnny and then helping him with his homework. What's the largest continent in the world? Oh, I know. It's, uh, it's Asia. And the next largest? Oh, that's easy. Africa. Full of jungles. That's where Tarzan lives. Isn't it time for Johnny to be in bed? Oh, yes. I, I had no idea it was so late. Run along to your room, Johnny. I'll be in in a minute. All right, Mother. Good night, Dad. Good night, Johnny. Sleep well. He's getting along very well in school, except for arithmetic. He seems to be having a little trouble. Oh, Johnny will be all right. Yes. Johnny will be all right. I know he'll be all right. I watched her. She seemed very uneasy. I walked over to my pipe rack where I kept several books of matches in a jar. There weren't any there. All this time, I knew she was watching me, watching me closely. I looked behind the rack. There wasn't a match around. What the devil happened to all my matches? I I have a match here. Let me light it for you. Did you take the matches out of the jar, Marie? Well, I, uh... 
Did you? Yes, I, I, I needed them in the kitchen. Shall I, shall I light your pipe for you? No, I'll, I'll light it myself. I picked a match out of the booklet. It was a clean white match with a green head. I struck it against the side. The match sputtered up into a yellow flame, fringed on the bottom with blue. Marie stared at it until I felt the sharp bite of the flame on my thumb. Would, would you like a cup of tea, Harry? No, dear, I don't think so. I watched her. Her hand casually brushed along the table and picked up the matches. Marie! Oh! oh. Leave the matches on the table. I, I need them. I'm rather short of matches, and the pilot light isn't working. Is this the only book of matches in the house? I, I, I'll have to get some tomorrow. Where are you going, Harry? Get a drink of water. No, no. I, I'll get it for you, Harry. Never mind, Marie. I'll get it myself. I went into the kitchen. There was a paper bag alongside the gas range. Matches. All thrown in, helter-skelter. Books of matches and safety matches, all mixed together. I walked back and sat down in my chair. She sat a few feet away, torturing a handkerchief. She looked so helpless and terrified that my anger passed away. Marie, you've been having headaches lately. Perhaps you ought to see a doctor. You haven't been looking too well. I'm just tired. It's nothing serious. Look, um... How would you like to go away for a few days? Take a vacation. I'll get a maid to take care of Johnny and me. It'll do you a lot of good. No, no, I don't need a vacation. There's nothing wrong with me, but... Harry, there is... Yes? Uh, there's nothing the matter with... You were about to say something else. I... I've got to go into Johnny's room and see that he's covered. He always throws the covers off. I sat there looking at the door. Then I glanced about the room. There was the pack of matches lying open on the table... I closed the cover and my eye caught a purse lying nearby. It was bulging. Harry! Well, what's the matter? My, my purse! Yes. That's your purse. Here, look. See, the handle's loose. And it's full of matches. A dozen books of them. And these newspaper clippings. Give it back to me. Why are you saving these clippings? Why do you carry matches with you? I bought the matches in a store. They were a dozen for five cents. These clippings. Look here. Fire on 112th Street causes severe damage. And these others... Why are you saving these clippings, Marie? But there's nothing wrong in that. I, I'm interested, interested in your work. I, I intend to keep a file on fire that'll help you in your work. Well, that's very considerate, Marie. Oh, Harry. You're so good. Why should this have to happen to us? Towards midnight, I went to bed. Marie didn't follow me. I lay in the semi-darkness, wide awake trying to think what I should do. I couldn't collect my thoughts. Every time I closed my eyes, I could see the flame of the match, yellow and blue, crawling along the matchstick. Then Marie came in with a cup of steaming liquid. Drink this, Harry. It'll help you sleep. Oh, what is it? It's cocoa. It's very good for you. I'm not the one that's having trouble falling asleep. We both couldn't sleep last night. I'm taking some of this myself as soon as I go to bed. All right. Leave it on the nightstand. Be sure to drink it while it's hot. Yes, Marie, I will. Good night, darling. Good night, Marie. Coco. Then suddenly I knew. I looked around quickly for something to pour it in. There was a radiator pan. It was empty. I poured the cup of liquid into it. Then I lay back and waited. Waited for her next move. About a half hour later, I heard the door open softly and Marie tiptoed towards my bed. Are you asleep? I didn't answer, but breathed evenly. 
She hovered for a moment over me, then she tiptoed out, carefully closing the door behind her. I dashed out of bed and hurried into my clothes. Quickly, I poured the liquid from the pan into a bottle and put it into my pocket. Then I grabbed my coat and followed her. I rang for the elevator. She had only a few minutes headway. I would catch up to her easily, and then... Then we'd have a showdown. Steve looked at me with controlled amazement. Uh, hello, Steve. Hello, Mr. Jordan. Uh, my wife went down a moment ago, didn't she? Yes, Mr. Jordan. Just took her down. She went towards Third Avenue, didn't she? Uh, I think so. She sort of stopped me for a minute and then turned towards Third. Had to get back to the elevator because you were ringing. When I reached the corner, I looked up and down Third Avenue. Then I saw her. She was walking north. I crossed to the other side of the street and followed her, keeping at a distance. 98th Street, she turned east. Down the middle of the block was the remains of last night's fire. She paused in front of the gutted building for a long time, just stood there, looking at it. Then she walked inside. I waited for a few seconds and then followed her. It was pitch dark in the burnout hallway. Ahead of me, I could see the glow of a match. Then I saw what she was doing. She was collecting the charred debris near the baby carriages. How foolish. There wasn't anything that could burn there now. She lit another match. I watched the flame light up her face. A face so intent upon her work that she didn't hear me approach. Marie? Who's there? Me, Harry. Harry, why did you... Come along, Marie. We'd better get out of here. The police. I took her hand. Without a word, she came along. We walked home in complete silence. We both knew. When we came to our apartment house, I stopped and rang for the elevator. In the light of the hallway, I could see her face. My wife's face. Ashy gray. Her eyes bright and painful. Uh, you run upstairs, Marie. I'll be along in a minute. Harry, where, where are you going? I'll be right back. Please, Harry, don't, don't do anything. You run along, Marie. You're not going to... No, I'm only going to the drugstore to get something. I'll be back in a few minutes. later. She was waiting for me. Did you? Did you do it, Harry? Harry, please, please tell me. I've got to know. I had the cocoa you gave me analyzed. I'm sorry. I, I had to do it. Don't you see? I couldn't help it. It was very easy for the druggist, especially when I told him what I thought was in it. Sodium amatol. That's the stuff that makes you sleep through an earthquake. Please try to understand, Harry. You must understand. Is the kid asleep? Yes, Johnny's all right. I was sorry for Marie. She looked so haggard and worn. It wasn't her fault. I'm sorry for myself. My head was roaring. I wasn't feeling too well. Kept seeing sparks in front of my eyes. I closed my eyes for a moment. Let's go to bed, Harry. Marie, we can do something. Let's let's burn up every match. Every match in the house. We'll never bring another match in here. No, no, Harry, we can't do that. You don't want to? No, Harry, not now. See, this is the first book. It's turning black. We'll do it with every book of matches. It's no use. It's no use, Harry. Strange, isn't it, that this should happen to me? Me, a fire inspector. That's funny. Give me the matches, Marie. All the matches. No, I can't do it. I won't. Give them to me. Please, please, please don't take them. I'll do anything you want. Anything. Where did you hide them? Tell me. Where are they? Inside the range. Behind the paper bag. I dropped her hand and she sank to the floor in a huddle, weeping. (laughs) Then I went into the kitchen and got all the matches. By now, my anger was cooling off. Look, Marie, look up. See? I'll light each book of matches one at a time until they're all gone up in smoke. Yellow flame licked its way down the matches. The cover caught fire and blackened. 
I watched her look at the flame with dazed eyes. Listen. Listen, Harry, do you hear? Just someone in the hall. Oh, it's more than someone. Something's happened. Something has happened. I'll take a look. Hey, Mr. Jordan, the house is on fire. The house, the house is on fire. Yes, Marie, wake up, Johnny. Johnny, Johnny. We'll have to hurry. The flames are coming up the stairs. There's an upward draft. What's the matter, Mother? The house is on fire. We've got to get out, Johnny. Come on. It's too late to go down. We'll have to go up through the roof. Oh, I've hurt my leg. Come along, Johnny. Mother, wait for Mother. She'll come along. No, no, I want to wait for Mother. It's all right, Johnny. Go along with Daddy. I'll follow you. No, no, I won't go. I won't go without you, Mother. Hold on to my arm, Marie. Come on. Give me your hand, Johnny. Don't be scared. The fire won't hurt you. Won't hurt you at all. You're safe with me. We made our way upstairs, very slowly because of Marie's sprained ankle. Finally, we got to the roof. There were some firemen on the next roof, about ten feet separated the two buildings. Don't get panicky. We'll get you off safely. How are we going to have to jump across, Daddy? Because Mother won't be able to jump through the It's all right, Johnny. Don't be scared. Uh, they're putting a board across the two roofs. We'll just walk across. All right, now. One at a time. Tie the rope around you. Come across. Johnny, you go first. Don't be afraid. There. Now, the rope will hold you in case you slip. Mother, you gotta go first. I'll go right after you, Johnny. You, you promise? Go ahead, Johnny. Another volume. Uh, don't turn around. Keep walking. All right. Kids safe. Now you, ladies. Be careful. Aboard. Hey, the board slipped off. Hurry, will you try get another board? Mother. Mother. Oh, I thought Your mother's gonna be all right, kid. You pushed the board off, Harry. I thought you did. No, no, I didn't, Marie. I didn't. All right, ladies. On the ground we stood there, the three of us watching the fire. Sparks were shooting up through the hole where it had hidden through. Great flames shot out, stabbing at the sky. The top of the roof was burning now. Red flame crawled along, searching out the inflammable spots. A wooden pole caught fire, blazed up in a long, narrow, curving arc. The wind was helping her. All this time, Marie was shaking, shaking violently, not with cold. I pitied her. And then she threw up her hands and shrieked. No, no, darling, don't. I can't stand it. We can't go on this way. Police, police, come here. Don't do it, Marie. There's no need to. Not the police. You don't know what you're saying. You... What is it, lady? You'd better calm down now. You, uh... Officer, please. No, 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 it's no use, Harry. Officer, these awful fires. They're not accidental. There's a pyromaniac, a criminal. What? And I know who it is. You've got to arrest the person. Arrest. So there won't be any more. All right, lady. Now, what is this? Who is the pyromaniac? <laughs> The criminal is my husband. Hurry, Jordan. This man here. Arrest him, officer. Well, that's about all there is to the story, gentlemen. And I was brought here. 
Must have sounded kind of, well, painful for you to hear it all over again, Marie. No. It was all right, Harry. I wonder, um, I got a cigarette. Could I... No, I'll light it for you, Harry. You don't have to worry. I won't try and keep the matches here. She's been awfully good to me, gentlemen. You'll take good care of her, won't you? She tried everything to help. She hid the matches so as to keep them from me. She even tried to give me sleeping pills so I wouldn't. It's all right, Harry. I'm sorry about the locket, dear. Must have fallen out of my coat when I was in that building in 98th Street. I knew. It's all right, Harry. You can buy me another one sometime. You. You can't blame anybody for liking fires. It's not their fault. Fires are beautiful to watch. So bright and clean. They burn up all the filth and dirt. And they're magnificent to watch. Especially the big ones. The way the flames roar and crackle, lighting up everything around you. The beautiful fire. The beautiful fire. So closes The Night Revealed, starring Mr. Robert Young and Margot. Tonight's tale of Suspense. I want you to know that the distinguished Roma California wines include the most enjoyable types for every possible occasion. Dry table wines, red and white, appetizer and dessert wines, and also champagne and sparkling burgundy. Nothing can add more downright pleasure to your meals or to your entertainment of friends. And no enjoyment could be more economical. For not only are they supremely delicious, Roma wines are America's largest selling wines, and they cost only a few cents a glass. The vast quantities regularly purchased and enjoyed by wine lovers, the advantageous locations of the great Roma wineries in the favored wine districts throughout California, these things permit truly modest prices that make Roma wines the world's outstanding wine values. Roma. R-O-M-A. Roma wines are true to type. Roma wines are faithful in flavor. Roma wines are sound of character. Roma wines are reasonable in cost. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Robert Young. It's been a great pleasure for me to appear tonight on Suspense, one of my very favorite programs. And I know you'll want to be listening next Thursday when my friend and colleague at Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, Mr. Charles Lawton, will be your star. Don't forget then, next Thursday, same time, for Charles Lawton in Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Sunrise and sunset, promise and fulfillment, birth and death. The whole drama of life is written in the sands of time. We present a new series of radio programs, The Clock.
Family quarrel is not unusual, and I suppose the best of us have them every once in a while. My family is no exception, and once a year we have a battle royal. It all started in 1918 when something called Daylight Saving Time was adopted in New York. My city cousins pushed themselves ahead an hour while the rest of the family throughout the country remained on standard time. Well, progress is no crime, but ambition might be. It all depends. I'm thinking now of young George Finney and his pretty wife, Arlene. Ambition there was mated with greed, and the offspring was a monster. I'm so glad you came. It was awful. Simply awful. I couldn't stand it anymore. Take it easy, lady. Sit down. I should have called the police a long time ago. I don't know why I waited. Yes, I do. I loved him so. I just couldn't believe it, that's all, in spite of everything. What's the story, Mrs. Finney? Well, it started a couple of months ago in Santa Monica. I was a cashier in a barbecue when I first met George. He was tall and clean-cut with a handsome smile. He had a cute line and a fast delivery, and I liked him right away. He was Hollywood, and Hollywood was just where I wanted to be. So you're in pictures, Mr. Finney. You bet. You're not an actor. Actor? Oh, not a chance. I work inside, the production end. Mm, I always wanted to get into pictures, but I never had much luck. Oh, if you're shape, you don't need much luck. You think I'm pretty? Oh, a knockout. I don't know. I've seen the best in pictures. Uh, turn your face to the left for a minute. Mm-hmm. Photogenic, just like I thought. Ever try to get into a studio? Once. I got two days' work as an extra in the mob scene. I could have gotten more, I guess. But you have to have a wardrobe, and that costs money. Oh, not when you know the angles. Hey, look, um, when do you knock off from work? Oh, in half an hour. Well, how about driving to the beach? We can have a swim, talk it over. Well, I don't know. I've made it a rule never to date anybody I meet in here. It's not a good policy for a girl like me. <laughs> well, I'm harmless, honey. Besides, you've seen me in here before. But we've never spoken to each other up to now. Well, you've got to begin somewhere. Come on. What do you say? Well, I meet you, Mr. Finney. Out front, half an hour. And, honey... Yeah? Call me George. We went to the beach and had a swim. And he couldn't have been more of a gentleman. He told me in a month or so a new epic was going into production at his studio. And he'd see if he could work me in. So I'm four times that week and five the next. Pretty soon it was every day. I knew I was falling. And so did he. I never thought it would happen so fast. Buys like a top, don't you? It's a very nice car, George. Well, it's second-hand, but it fills the bill. And it's a nice jalopy for a honeymoon. Are you getting married? Sure. To whom? To you. It's the first I heard about it. Look, Arlene, I'm nuts about you. But, but George, we hardly knew each other. So what? We have to wait till we're 50 to get acquainted? George, stop kidding me. Oh, I'm not kidding, honey. You and I could make a team. I'll be a big shot in pictures one day, and so will you. Oh, come on. How about it, Harley? Gee, I don't know, George. Now, listen, I don't propose to every dame I meet. Marriage is a lifelong proposition. It takes a lot of thought. I know. Well, I've done my thinking. i made up my mind. Now, how about you? It's all right with me, George. If it's all right with you. Okay, honey. Where are we going? To Los Angeles to get a license. So 
some honeymoons last a month or more. But mine only lasted a week. We drove to the Mexican border and drove back home. And it was the happiest seven days I ever spent in all my life. We'll be in L.A. in half hour. Oh, George, it's been just wonderful. You give him notice in that beanery tomorrow. Oh, do you really think I should? Well, listen, I don't make too much, but we can get along. Besides, you're going into pictures. Oh, but I need clothes. You said I did. And then you mentioned something about a publicity... I'll dig up the dough for everything, baby. Now, you just leave it to me. All right, George. Whatever you say. (sighs) Funny being married. Changes a guy's outlook. Does it? How do you mean? That gives a guy responsibilities. Am I a responsibility? Oh, no, I didn't mean it that (laughs) way. After all, I'm asking you to quit your job and depend on me. What would happen to you if... What if I disappeared? Disappear? Well, what I mean is... Well, suppose I died. Oh, don't say that, George. Oh, look, I'm not getting morbid, honey. Just being practical. When a guy has a family, he has to look out for it. That's why I'm taking the policy. What policy? Life insurance. 50,000 bucks. You'll be a beneficiary. Oh, but that's too much. What do we need all that insurance for? I'm a guy who looks facts in the face. Things can happen to either of us. The premium's more than I can afford, but, well, I'll manage somehow. Do you think you can take one out for me, George? Uh, a policy? Yeah. With you as beneficiary. Well, I... I don't know. Well, you said before that things could happen to either of us. Yeah. Yeah, you know, honey, that's that's a practical idea. Well, George, if I died, I'd want you to be well off, too. No. Oh. You know what you are, baby? A gal to be proud of. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I was going to suggest that we both take out insurance, but, well, I didn't know if you'd approve. Why? Well, what I mean is, well, it's the man in the family who usually gets himself covered. And... Oh, of course, the premium's very high, and, well, it might be wiser to wait. Oh, no, no, it's bad luck to wait. I, I don't believe in it. Now that we've talked about it, let's go ahead. It's the only thing to do. Do you love me, George? Oh, you're crazy. Especially now when you're going to be worth 50,000 bucks. Oh, George. <laughs> so will I come to think of it? Say, the two of us will be worth more dead than we are alive. A couple of days later, we both took medical examinations. A few days after that, the insurance policies came through. I'd almost forgotten about them by then, until the evening George came home for supper and told me. Is that you, George? Yeah. Dinner ready? Almost. Say, I feel like a million. I'm as hungry as a horse. Oh, something good happened today? I'll say. Those policies came through. What policies? Life insurance. Oh. I put them in our safe deposit vault. Remember that. Let's stop talking about those policies. They make me so nervous. Nervous? Why, Arlene? Because it reminds me of dying. I don't want either of us to die. We're too happy. Life's too much fun. Oh, come on. Snap out of it. I'll help you set the table. What's the matter with your jacket? My jacket? One of the pockets is bulging like... Oh, that. Look. George! Where did you get that gun? Now, don't get nervous, lady. It's only a prop. A prop? Yeah, we're shooting a western. Prop man asked me to get this refinished. Throws too much of a glare into the camera when the lights hit it. Is it real? Well, it could be if it had bullets. Barrel's full of blanks. Oh, well, put it away. Guns frighten me. Oh, now, you shouldn't be scared of guns. Haven't you ever handled one? No, and I don't want to. 
Matter of fact, you know, we ought to have one in the house. Oh, for what? Well, I'm in town all day, and you're out here all alone. You should have protection. I don't want to fool around with any guns. Oh, now, don't be a kid, honey. Here, I'll show you how easy it is to work. Grab the hammer. Oh, no, George. Oh, don't be like that, Arlene. The gun won't hurt you. Look, put it in your hand. Like that, now, just pull. <laughs> Holy smoke. There was a bullet in that thing. You all right, honey? Uh- I think so. It broke that vase. Well, never mind the vase. I'm thinking about you. You were holding that gun near your body when it exploded. You, you sure you weren't hurt? I guess I'd feel it if I was shot. I told you I didn't like guns, George. I... Oh, George, look at the sleeve of my dress. Hey, there's a hole in it. The bullet must have passed right through. Yeah. Yeah, missed you by an inch. Good thing, too. Why, you might have been killed. It was just an accident. At least it looked that way. George put the gun in my hand and his finger hit the trigger. That was all. I forgot about it for a while. But it came back to me later when I remembered everything else. Gee, what a day. What a day. You only get a day like this in California. Oh, it's fun taking a ride on Sunday. My, it's pretty out this way. Yeah, kind of rustic. You know, I'd like to lie down in the sun and relax and chew a piece of grass. You like grass? Not as a steady diet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know what I mean. You like to... What's the matter? Uh, I don't know. Kind of acting up. Hey. Something wrong with the motor? I'll get out and see. You can get out too, honey. Stretch your legs. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, just smell that air. Mmm, it's delicious. Yeah. Now, wait till I get the engine top up. Oh, it's so nice out here, George. And it's so quiet. Yeah. You know, maybe this is as good a place as any to eat our lunch. I think I found out what's wrong. You did? Yeah, stay where you are, honey. I'm not sure. Wait till I see if the motor starts. Oh, just look at that horizon, George. Isn't it the most beautiful color you ever saw in your life? Hey, Arlene! Arlene! Baby! Oh, baby, are you hurt? I I just managed to get off the the road in time. Holy smoke, the car was in gear and I didn't know it. You were standing right in front. Yeah, I, I know. Gosh. Oh, my heart was in my throat. How could I be so careless? You you might have been killed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the second time this week, George, that I might have been killed. Most things in life come slowly over a period of time. Birth is one of these, and understanding. Time has a habit of moving leisurely when you're looking forward to something you most desire. But the one thing that can come with the suddenness of a flash of lightning is unexpected death. And Arlene Finney was well aware of that. Twice. Twice in one week. They could have been accidents, sure. That was what worried me, so I wasn't certain. George loved me. I knew he did. 
I had to believe in him. I just had to. A week went by and everything was swell. He was sweeter than he'd ever been before. There was nothing he wouldn't do to make me happy. And if I had any ugly thoughts, I canceled them out. Mistakes could happen, even two mistakes like that. And I knew it would never happen again. The weather was hot that Thursday when we went to the beach. He drove down in the car and changed into our bathing suits in the locker rooms. And we just lay on the sand and drinking in the sun and just feeling good. George? Yeah? When am I getting that job? What job? Well, you know, in pictures. Soon, baby, soon. Gotta be patient. I have to see Mr. Zale in the office, and I'll pop the question. Who is Mr. Zale? Assistant producer. Oh. It won't be long now, honey. You wait and see. Ollie! Hey, Ollie! Someone's calling you. Why, it's Mimi. I haven't seen her since I left the barbecue. She used to be a waitress. Ollie! Oh, gee, it's nice to see you. Hello, Mimi. How are you? I'm fine, just fine. Well, have you met my husband? I don't think so. George, meet an old friend, Mimi Taylor. Pleased to meet you. Hello, Mimi. Uh, sit down and talk. We haven't seen each other in over a month. Oh, I know. I'd have called you, only I was busy. I quit the job, you know. Oh, you did? Yeah, I'm working at Lawrence Department Store in L.A. It's a good job. I get to meet a lot of people. How's married life, Arlene? Oh, ask my husband. It's terrific. Oh, oh, he sounds like a booster. Oh, well, I guess it's all right for some people, but not for me. Oh, you'll change your mind when you meet the right man. Not when I read the papers. <laughs> What's the papers got to do with it? Well, then you read about that guy who killed his wife. What? Well, he got sore or something. They wasn't married very long. He caught her looking at another man, and he crowned her with a flat iron. Your bathing suit looks nice. Messiest thing you ever heard of. The murder, I mean. The poor kid was only 21, and all she did was smile. This guy was so crazy jealous, he couldn't even see straight. Yeah, well, most men aren't like that. Oh, don't you kid yourself. The kind I meet always are. <laughs> you look different. I mean, she'll pick the winner. Say, where did he get them shoulders? <laughs> Looks good in a bathing suit, doesn't he? I'll say. Oh, so do you, Mimi. Oh, stop you kidding. You look good to me. Oh, it's this suit, mister. It's got style. Oh, I, uh, I like the empty spaces. Oh, oh what a man. You ought to put a leash on him, Arlene. He's liable to go on the prowl. It's just George's way of being funny. Wow. I better get started. I got a date at three with a guy who don't like to be kept waiting. Aren't you even going swimming? Oh, I was in before, but not for long. That water's real fierce. There's an undertow like a suction pump out there. Hmm, it does look kind of rough. We take my tip and you stay away. That current's mean. Well, glad to have made your acquaintance, George. Same here, Mimi. Say, uh, why don't you two drop around to my place one evening for a drink? I can date me up a guy and we can have a little fun. I'll call you, Mimi. Okay, Arlene. Take it easy. So long. It's, uh, getting warm, isn't it? I don't feel it. How about a dip, huh? You heard what Mimi said about the undertow? Well, we don't have to go out very far. We'll stick close together. You go ahead if you want to. I'll stay here. Say, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Well, you look like you just swallowed a lemon or something. I'm sorry I came here, that's all. <laughs> Why? You didn't have to look at her that way, did you? I didn't have to... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't see anything to laugh about. You're jealous, baby. I am not. Now, wait a minute. I know we're married, but that doesn't exactly make a chump out of me. 
I don't like to be told who to look at and who to talk to. No. No. And what's more, as long as you're in such a rotten mood, you can call off all by yourself. I'm going in for a swim. What is it in those few minutes of the marriage ceremony that changes people? Well, I can assure you I have nothing to do with it. I watched him walk down into the water and swim away. With our first quarrel. And I felt terrible about it. When I thought it over, I realized I was in the wrong. And suddenly I wanted desperately to apologize and make up. I jumped up and ran across the beach. I was so anxious to swim to where George was, I guess I hardly noticed the undertow. George! George, wait for me! Thought you wanted to stay on the beach. I, I just had to talk to you, George. Oh, wait. Well, what is it? George, George, I'm sorry. Are you? I acted like a fool. Yeah, I'll say you did. Please forgive me. It, it makes me so unhappy when we quarrel. <laughs> Forget it, baby. Everybody makes mistakes. It's so nice out here. Not getting tired, are you? Oh, no, not a bit. Bad water. Like this. Use your hands. It's easier. Oh, I'm doing fine. We're, we're pretty far out, Arlene. Aren't we, though? Gee, I've never swum this far before. You scared? Oh, not with you, honey. Not a soul left on the beach. Everybody's gone home, I guess. Yeah, it's getting late. Yeah. Maybe we'd better swim back and get our clothes on. I'm hungry. Oh, wait a minute. Come over here, honey. A little closer. You know, you swim pretty good for a woman. Well, to tell you the truth, George, I am getting just a little tired. Hey, put your arms on my shoulders. What for? I'll help you swim back. <laughs> I'm not as tired as all that. I can make it without any trouble. Come on, George. Oh, wait, wait. We, uh, haven't kissed and met up yet. Oh, we're here? In the water? Oh, it'll be kind of wet, but it's an idea. All right. Just, uh, come a little closer. That's it. Now. George! That's easy. What are you doing? George! No, no! Pushed me under. I kicked and struggled, but he was too strong. I don't know how long he held me there, but it seemed like a million years. I knew I was finished. I was getting weak. My lungs were bursting. I couldn't stand it any longer. Then when I was just about to breathe and take the water into my lungs, we were hit by a wave. It was a heavy roller, and he lost his grip. It carried me halfway to the beach. With my last ounce of strength, I managed to swim the rest and crawl onto the sand. I got onto my knees and looked around. George wasn't there. Suddenly I started to cry. It was all too much. My head was dizzy and I couldn't think. I got to my feet like a drunk and started to walk. I guess I didn't know half of what I was doing because I went right to the car without getting my clothes. I'm George sitting there waiting. Get in. I said get in. My arm, George. I'm breaking my arm. Don't hurt me. I'll get in. to kill me. 
Those other times you tried to kill me, too. Shut up. And the money. Insurance money on my life. I should have known. It doesn't matter, Jim. You just as soon be dead as find out what you mean. Maybe life. you'll get your wish. I don't care, do you hear me? I don't care. Where are you taking me? For a little sightseeing tour. And this time, I'm going to do it right. For the next half hour, he didn't say a word. He just kept driving, avoiding traffic, making certain we didn't pass any towns. It's getting dark now, and the car was climbing. It was taking me up to Hollywood Hills, and I knew why. Get out. What are you going to do to me? You said before you didn't care. Change your mind. Don't kill me, George. Please don't kill me. There's a cliff over there. The drop of a thousand feet. You won't know what hit you no. when you hit. No. Now let me go. I don't want to die. Well, let me go, George. Come on. George, let me go. We're here, baby. Oh, no, now look down. See how high we are? Just one push, baby. One push. I got back into the car and called you at the station house when I got home. That was three hours ago. I've been sitting here ever since. We found the body and made a few investigations. It's a good story, Mrs. Finney, but not good enough. You made a couple of mistakes. Mistakes? Your husband didn't want to kill you, baby. You went after him. What are you talking about? You see, he had no motive, but you did. No motive? What about the insurance? We found it in the vault where your husband left it. But there was only one policy. Only one? I don't understand. His policy. For 50,000 bucks, you as beneficiary. That was their okay. I guess he didn't want to tell you about the other one, so you wouldn't worry. See what I mean? No, I don't see. Well, stop grinning at me like an ape. What are you trying to tell me? Everything you've told me is a lie. Now, your husband tried to shoot you with a gun, kill you with the automobile, and drown you. He had no motive, but you did. There was just one policy and a letter from the insurance company. Your husband couldn't have wanted to kill you with the insurance, though. You never got a policy. They never gave you one. You were turned down in your medical exam. And that's the story of George and Arlene as recorded by The Clock. It's the little mistakes that count. And Arlene Finney ought to know. In her case, however, I doubt if she'll ever get a second chance. The Clock will be heard again next week, same time, same station. It's written by Lawrence Clee and Hart McGuire is the voice of The Clock. Arlene was Wynne Nelson. George was Leon Pierce. Mimi was Pat Martin and the detective Brian James. The Clock, directed by John Saul, is a Grace Gibson radio production. Well, that's the show for tonight. And I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, 
You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter at Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which has just surpassed a thousand subscribers. Thank you all very much. Please check it out. Like the videos. Share. Subscribe. Highly appreciate it. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.